Well, that brings us on to our message this morning. And well, I just said last week we looked at obedience. We looked at the topic of fasting, of giving, of quiet time, devotional time with God. The week before we spoke about heaven and that our ultimate citizenship is in heaven first. Heaven, obedience. And then this week, it's the letter M. And I want to talk to you about your me. Now, I've said it that way because the word is me, but I don't want to say I want to talk to you this week about me because that might leave you feeling confused. You see, I think each one of us thinks about ourselves. Is that fair? Do you ever think about yourself? Perhaps you've started out the year, you've looked in the mirror, you've thought about me and you've thought, I'm going to start running regularly. I'm going to work on my physical health. The me that I need to be working on is, is getting fit and healthy. Maybe you've started the year and you've been really blessed by the January bookshop and you've thought, I'm going to work on my relationship with God. I'm going to work on me, making sure that I spend time in God's presence. Or maybe this year, maybe the past, gosh, we're coming up on 12 months of this coronavirus pandemic, aren't we? It's only a couple of months away from being a full year. Perhaps you're thinking, you know, life is hard for me right now. And it's very easy to begin to justify one's behavior because we can see from my perspective The gospel, according to me, is that I need grace, I need this, I need that, I need the other. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. And and usually I I might say this in a, a message. I might say, if you hear nothing else, hear this. And it's always a risk doing that right on the front end of the sermon because you might all decide to just take a little nap for the next 20 minutes. But if you hear nothing else, hear this. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. You see, that that is the truth of the gospel message. Jesus died for me. Each one of you could say that. In fact, if we were in church this morning, perhaps we would ask you to say, Jesus died for me. Perhaps if it wasn't for coronavirus, we might touch our neighbour and say, you know, Jesus died for me. We're not going to do that. That's That's not a good thing to do right now. But the truth of the matter is Jesus died for me. He died for you. He died for me. And we have to ask ourselves, why is that? God is interested in me. Jesus died for me. The Holy Spirit is given to me. The word says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died for me. In light of the individualistic nature of this present age, too many give in to the narrative of self, thinking that I'm the most important thing. And so the church very often struggles to talk about the fact that Jesus died for you. We talk about Jesus died for us. But the reality is, that each and every one of us can honestly say, Jesus died for me. It's personal. It's individual. 
Grace comes by hearing. Faith comes through choosing. And that statement, Jesus died for me, is deeply personal. He didn't die for this building that we're here in today. He didn't die for the logo, for the church as a conceptual entity. He dies for individuals just like you and me. And if you've never considered this before, or perhaps you've considered this many times, and you just need to take the opportunity and think about it again today, Jesus died for me, that statement. Well, perhaps you just need to consider why would Jesus do that? You know, God wants to spend time with you. In fact, I can find that story and I could preach that throughout the whole of the Bible. I could start in Genesis and say, you know, we were created for a relationship with God. Adam and Eve were created to be God's friends. We could move forwards and we could see God's people in the Old Testament. God had a chosen people, people that he called unto himself, that he chose for himself, that were his people, that he delighted in leading and loving. And he led them through the wilderness. He led them in and out of captivity. He led them in every dark day, every high point, every mountaintop experience and every valley low. And then God sends Jesus. God sends Jesus because the people are walking in darkness and he needs them to be walking in the light of Christ more fully. And perhaps that's a bit churchy. Perhaps I need to just be really specific this morning. The people walking in darkness has seen a great light is a, a passage we read every single Christmas. It's part of the Christmas story. We think about Jesus coming into the world. But do we recognize why? What's your why this morning? Why are you in church today? Why are you taking the time to engage with this message? I hope it's because you know that Jesus died for you, but also that Jesus was raised to life for you so that you could live in fullness of relationship with God. And the problem is each one of us has something that impedes our relationship with God. It's both a one-time deal that Jesus fixes by his death and his resurrection on the cross, and it's something that he continues to work out in us day by day, as he makes us more fully his own. Jesus dies for us because each one of us has done things that have created a separation between us and God. And in this space is all of those things. And maybe you're thinking, well, what, what are those things? Maybe if I just do less of those. And that's a great idea. That's a very logical, pragmatic form of Christianity that says, well, I'm just going to try and do less of those things that create a divide between God and me. But the truth of the situation is that unless Jesus had died on the cross and we believe that he did, unless he had died taking away the punishment that we deserve, for all of those things that we do wrong. And there are so many more things than we perhaps even realise. Sometimes we think that we're so good 
We think, I'll do my best. I'll do my part. We think, oh, such and such, they must be going to heaven. They're a good person. But Jesus says, the only way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And because of Jesus saying, me, I'm the way, we can join with him and say, I'm going to let my me, my focus on me, come under his rule and reign. And you see, just as he dies on the cross and is raised to life, we've got the opportunity to be raised into new life with Christ. We've got the opportunity to let my me, my decision, my personal conviction, my opportunity to step forward and say, in response to God's invitation, who's going to give their life to Jesus? Who's going to put me first in their life? Who's going to live different? Who's going to practice what we've been learning about? Who's going to heaven? Who's going to walk in obedience? Me. And I think as we begin to work this through, that's a great starting point. Who's going to give their life to Jesus? Who's going to live different? Who's going to put Jesus first? Starting the year saying, me, that's me. I'm going to do that, me. And maybe even this morning, you just want to be responding to that and just saying, me, in the comments. Perhaps you want to be just thinking, who's going to be sharing this? Who's going to take this message forwards? And maybe you're saying, me, and you're going to share this post. I've got two other things that I'd like to mention to you this morning, and, and then I'm just going to come to a close. But bear with me just as we think about these two things. You know, part of what makes up me is ministry. And, you know, this isn't a great three-point sermon. This is a great two-point sermon. So... Let me just say to you, your first responsibility to minister is to yourself. Where does ministry start? Where does Jesus start working first? Before he takes on the world, before he sorts out all of the problems in all of creation, fixes everything that's broken, where does he start? Well, he starts with me. And so maybe this morning you need to ask yourself, how's my heart? How's my relationship with God? You know, the word of God says God has a plan for me, for my life, for my good, not for evil, a hope and a future. And actually, while that might sound a lot like Jeremiah 29, 11, and it is. That promise is something that he keeps making again and again. God calls us to be his disciples. And whether we answer like, you know, he calls out and he says, who's in? And we say, yeah, me. Or whether he comes to you and he says, would you be my disciple? Would you do ministry? Would you do life with me? And we go, what, who, who, me? Whatever the case may be, wherever you fit in that spectrum, his plan and his purpose is, 
for me is both encounter and that I would know him and that he would know me and that I would have a purpose centered on who he is and who he's calling me to be. And so perhaps as we consider ministry and our first responsibility to minister to ourselves, you're thinking, yeah, but I want to know what my purpose is. So many times I've heard people speak on calling. Some people take this and they, they bring up the fivefold ministry giftings. If you don't know what that is, it's these different roles that are foundational to the church. The pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, and the prophet. No, pastor, teacher, prophet, <laughs> disciple, teacher. Come on, somebody, give me these in the comments. I'm just messing with you. But seriously here, come on now. We so easily think about the five-fold ministry giftings. We so easily think, oh, which one am I going to be? Which one looks like me? Which one's going to be the right fit for me? And whether we're thinking, oh, yeah, no, I'd make a great apostle. I've really got that gifting. I could come into a space. I can really lead things forwards. Whether we're thinking, oh, I'd be a great prophet. The Lord could speak to and through me. Whether we're thinking I would be the best evangelist you've ever come across. I've got a gifting. I'm just going to call out and people are going to just just come to church. Like it's as simple as that. Maybe you're an evangelist and you're thinking, well, if I could just invite somebody to church, they'll come. Maybe you're the best pastor. Maybe you've got such a pastoral heart. You just live and breathe pastoring. You want to know how people are. You love people. You just can't help yourself but check in with them. Or maybe you're a great teacher. Maybe you just love revealing and explaining the mysteries of the word of God. But you see, the problem is we make such a big deal of these different things. We hear these different titles and we think, oh, yeah, I wonder which one I'll be. And, and sometimes I even hear Christians talking about it like it's some sort of spiritual Myers-Briggs. And we're going to do a quiz and we're going to work out which one we are. And I think this is great. I think this is a great list of ministry giftings that we want to see in every church. But I'm not sure we do see it in every church. I think some of these things are wider than the local church. And I think we don't build our churches to try and have each one of these things. We just throw open the doors and we say, Jesus is here. Come to church. Come and be with us. Let this be your home too. And I think that's the more important thing. That we just welcome people into this space, into our hearts, into our home, into our church. And if they have one of these special giftings, great. But actually the most important gifting, the gifting that's more important than any one of these things, than being an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. The thing that's more important than that. And I guess what I'm speaking to here is your divine purpose. And dear me, if I wrote a book called Your Divine Purpose, I think that would probably sell well, wouldn't it? I mean, who hasn't been tempted in the Christian bookshop by the book titled Your Divine Purpose or a five-step guide to finding your calling or whatever it may be, whether it's purpose-driven or, or not? <laughs> Actually, I think this is the key. 
your first calling, your greatest calling, is to be in relationship with your heavenly Father. Your first calling and your greatest calling is to be you. And to be you submitted to Christ, to be you saved, sanctified, whether you like to think of yourself as a prince or princess in the kingdom of God, because if God's the king and we're invited into his family by extension, one could argue that that's your position. Or whether you consider yourself to be a sinner saved by grace, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You'll find that in the word of God, too. You can argue for that. Or whether you... Whether you recognise that God isn't content to leave you where you are. Like you're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're part of God's family, called forth, anointed, set apart, loved, holy and special. And I think all of these labels fit us pretty well. You could pick any one of these things and it would be true. And perhaps the one we struggle with most is that we're called co-heirs with Christ. That there would be some sort of recognition that we would be not a second class citizen, not a lesser loved child because Jesus comes first, but that we would literally be so totally, so completely embraced in the family of God. That God doesn't just call us to save us. He's not a kind stranger on a rescue mission with a, a life ring and a rope. But he, he would choose to be our Heavenly Father. That he would choose us to be his co-laborers. That he would say to us, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That he would make us part of his team, part of his family, but also part of his work. That we're sent out. To create encounters with the living God. And so how do we help? How do we work with God in this? Well, I think we create space for encounter. I think that's what we need to do in ourselves. Who needs to create a space for an encounter with God? Me. I need to. I have to do that so often. You know, you can tell the difference when you really know me. You can tell the difference just in my general countenance on a daily basis, whether or not I have had my quiet time that morning. And that isn't because I'm some moody what's it who's always in a bad mood unless I've had my quiet time like a bear with a sore head. But it makes that much of a difference. It just changes everything. And it doesn't change everything because it's some sort of magic potion. You know, it's not like having a cup of coffee and 10 minutes later you feel great. It's deeper than that. It goes to the very heart of who we are. 
and this opportunity to have an encounter. And I don't want to make this sound like some mystical thing because it isn't. It's all the things you know. It's prayer. It's the word. It's sharing testimony. It's speaking faith in fellowship. It's being co-laborers with Christ. But it's about starting with me, ministering to myself, and then out of the overflow of the ministry that God has given me to minister to myself, it's saying, who else can I lead into the presence of God? Who else can I usher into encounter? And through encounter, we pray into heaven as well. You see, we've got the opportunity for an everyday encounter. Because of what Jesus did, we, we worship under an open heaven. The opportunity to have relationship with God is continuous and open. We don't have to go to the, the local farm and buy a goat and kill it in the back garden, smearing blood on the door or anything like that. We don't have to build a big old bonfire in the garden and toast the thing so that we can be forgiven. We don't have to take two animals and set one loose and sacrifice the other. If you think those are weird examples, well, they're all examples from the Old Testament. And yeah, you know, apart from being hugely more convenient, I think it's all the more special that the sacrificial lamb that was slain, that takes away the sins of the world, would be Christ and Christ crucified. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection being the ultimate and only sacrifice we would ever need. But here's the thing. Our opportunity for everyday encounter requires something from you. You have to say, who's going to have their quiet time and answer? Me. Who's going to put God first? Me. You see, it's not just a case of we become a Christian and we, we're done. <laughs> and I know sometimes you hear somebody talking to somebody and they're trying to explain about how to be a Christian and perhaps they oversimplify and they make it sound like, well, if you would just give your life to Christ, you'll, you'll never have a bad day ever again. He'll, he'll wipe the tear from your eye anytime you're upset. He'll hold your hand and tuck you into bed and you'll skip merrily and it'll look more like an advert for yogurt than, than the life that you recognise as the daily grind. But it's more than that. Everyday encounter means that we can pray continuously. You know, when something bad happens, you can pray. When something good happens, you can pray. When something boring happens, when you're sat at home and you're thinking, oh my word, Lord God, have mercy on my soul. I'm so bored of this lockdown. You can pray. And maybe in the boredom of lockdown, if that's you, you can invest in your relationship with God. Or perhaps you're just so busy, you think, I don't know where to begin. I don't know how I'm possibly going to find any time for me and God, because I just, I, I don't even know how I'm managing to survive from one moment to the next. And if that's you, all the more, let me just encourage you. Please don't, don't hear condemnation, don't hear a challenge, don't hear anything other than 
a sincere brother's heart being shared, that it's only going to help. Spending time with God only ever helps. There's something about just being in his presence, seeing his presence, knowing his presence, being ministered to by the heart of God that makes all the difference. So if you if you don't know Jesus, if this is the first time that you're considering this question, or perhaps you've been wondering about this for a while, perhaps you'd like to give your life to Jesus today. If that's you, if you've been wondering, oh, I wondered when maybe an opportunity to do that might come up, well, perhaps you'd, you'd do two things. And if you do the first one, I really want you to do the second one. You see, the first one is, Perhaps you pray with me and give your life to Jesus. Just invite him to be your Lord and your saviour. And what that means is to save you from all the things that you've done wrong, to accept his gift of forgiveness for those things so that you can have a relationship with God. And the second thing we're going to pray is that you would just recognise him as the, the Lord of your life. Which basically means that you're inviting him to lead you. That you're going to say, my opinion, my will come second. I'm going to seek to put God first. I'm not going to get it right all the time. I might not know exactly what that means. But that's what I'm going to try and do. So as best I know how, that's what I'm going to try and do. And then this, that's the first thing. That's what we're going to pray. And this, the second thing is, if you, if you do pray that, it's really important that you tell somebody. And I'd love if that person was me. If you've got a really close friend or family member who's a Christian and you think, hey, I'd, I'd like to tell that person as well, tell them too. But please, if you if you pray this prayer with me, let me know, because I'd love to talk to you about what that meant and and what some useful steps might be for you. So if you can do number two, why don't we do number one? Perhaps you just bow your head with me and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, perhaps you'd like to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I've done things wrong. And I know that you love me. And so I thank you for your forgiveness and grace. I choose to accept that now. And I ask that you would be my Lord and my Saviour. This is my prayer. Come into my life. Take control. In Jesus' name. Amen. And actually, I really feel like maybe this is another thing that we just might pray together as well this morning. Perhaps you've known Jesus a long while and you've been feeling distant. You know, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular because I know that we've all struggled with that at one time or another during this coronavirus pandemic. But if that is you, if you've been struggling to pray, if you've been struggling to have your quiet times, if you've been struggling to feel like 
you want to just set aside the time and do this, whether it's because you're rushed off your feet or perhaps it all feels a bit mad that you're struggling to make time for God and you feel like you've got all the time in the world. Or perhaps you pray with me just briefly as well. Father God, I just pray for each and every one of us who might be feeling distant from you today. Father, for those of us who perhaps feel guilty that we've not set aside the time that we feel that you deserve. For those of us who perhaps are struggling just to find you in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our, our lives, our everyday, or, or perhaps even in the midst of sadness, frustration, anger or disappointment. Father, we thank you that you are so gentle and generous with us that you continue to seek our hearts. And so we pray that you'd, you'd help each one of us to know you more. Father, we ask for an encounter with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me just round off by just reminding you. You know, our relationship with Christ starts with me. That's what you need to recognise. Who's going to give their lives to Jesus? Me. Maybe you've said that with me already this morning. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. Maybe you've prayed because you've been feeling distanced from God and you can just see, well, who needs to press into a relationship with God? Me. Each one of us has an opportunity to practice ministry. You know, whether you... You really feel that the fivefold ministry is the best thing ever, and you're just so excited to think, wow, there's apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and that is a, just fantastic. But whatever you think of that, whether you think that that's the way church should work and doesn't, or whether you think that's the way it does and you wish we had more of it, Please just recognize that the thing that Jesus died for, the person that he died for, that he chooses to be in relationship with, and the central purpose in, in calling us into relationship, into an encounter, is that each one of us would be more fully ourselves in Christ. You know, it's not about a job. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about what you can do for God. You know, salvation never comes by doing. It comes by faith in Christ. And so perhaps if I haven't prayed with you already, or perhaps I have, let's just finish out our time with one final prayer. Would you pray with me one last time this morning? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would just continue to stir our hearts. Meet with us. Father, just as deep cries out to deep, call us into deepness of relationship with you. We want to have an encounter with you. We want to start ministering to ourselves and those around us. Father God, help us to be your people, marked by you, set apart for you, walking in all of your ways. Father, help each one of us to answer, as you say, who will follow. 
Father, help us to answer me. And Lord, as we as we close out our time in your word together, Lord, we've covered so many pieces of scripture this morning. We just pray that you'd help each one of us to practice knowing you, to respond individually, to encourage one another collectively, to let our me be second to yours, to take up our cross daily and follow you, and to know fullness of life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.